Episode 39, Noticing Noticings. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today Michelle and I discuss noticing. Together we work through the power of noticing what other people are noticing, how it builds a deep level of trust, and the methods you can employ to practice this in your daily life. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection, and in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Michelle Masago. And I'm Ron Macklin. And today's topic is noticing or notice. So as my usual practice, went to the handy dandy Oxford dictionary and it says, treat someone with some degree of attention or recognition. Found that word some interesting, but we can talk about that later. So Ron, noticing, what does that do for you? What does it trigger? What does it mean to notice? So. The first fundamental is I hold, I'm noticing all the time. Sometimes I'm holding that I'm aware that I'm noticing. And noticing is when I'm making up a story based on like all those perturbations that come into my body, right? It could be from touch. It could be from smell. It could be from taste. It could be from sight. It could be from hearing. So there's lots of sensations that could come in. And then I make up a story that I've noticed something. And when I'm making up those stories about that, that is like, I notice something I notice and like, I notice that that's like this, or I notice that these are different or I notice something inside. It's just, I notice it. It's a, it's a challenging situation because I'm using the word notice to describe notice, but my body becomes aware of something and becomes aware. Meaning I've made up a story about it in my head. The, the next space is what other people notice. And they're doing the same process that I'm doing because we all notice things and they're doing it from a standpoint of based on their background, they're making up all kinds of stories about what's happening around them based on the same sensations they get from their body, sight, smell, taste, hearing, touch. And those are what they're making up in their heads. So I, it's like, for me, it's a very important concept to, to hold, to be aware of in that. It's what I do like with my environment around me, which right now is like this podcast booth, the speakers, the computer, you, even though Michelle, you're what, 1500 miles away, Mm -hmm. but you occur as like a little flat square on my screen, but I make up that it's you. So that's like the me noticing it's other people they notice. And then there's the next part that gets really intriguing, which is to notice what other people are noticing. And, and like, what does it mean to notice what other people are noticing? Not what's happening in the world. What stories are they making up? And how do we know what people are making up? So I've, I've kind of gone through, I'd say two out of three parts of that. What questions are showing up for you, Michelle, before I go on to the third one? 
Yeah. So a couple of things that maybe that you triggered for me on the word notice as I was looking it up. And there's the, as you say, notice your environment and things around you. So what comes to me is we have a lot of paintings in the house and my husband loves to rearrange them all the time. And it's always, what did you notice different? Like a test, right? To see what painting he's moved to where, which by the way, I don't get right very often, but it's okay, right? It's, it's all about noticing your environment and what's going on there. The other one I thought about is noticing, and, and maybe you'll talk about this a little later, but noticing for myself, what does it mean to me for somebody to notice me, right? And I thought about that and how I went through quite a bit of my life not wanting to be noticed. Because if I was noticed, then what, God forbid, somebody asks a question that you have to answer and I'll be responsible. Like the fear kind of came in on some of that. But then I shifted as time went on to get over that. And it was more important to notice what others were noticing. So that's kind of what came to me was sort of that transition or that evolution for myself in thinking around such a simple word, notice, and what it can produce for you beyond just figuring out if the paintings have changed in the house. Right. So before we go on into the next stage, what was the, what was your story or what was the event that you went through that you went from your scared self saying, let's stay hidden and not be noticed to I can be out in the world and be noticed? Yeah. So I was thinking through that earlier today, preparing for the topic, and it was pretty safe to not be noticed, right? Because then you wouldn't be responsible for anything and that lovely shield and fear, right? And I had this story, what if I'm wrong? And then I shifted that to say, well, what if, if I had an idea that could make a difference? That'll never get shared if I try to hide, mm. right? And so to take the risk, because it wasn't the, the first time I kind of did that, right? To say, okay, let me speak up and say something and be noticed and take that chance to, to see what happens. And it's like, okay, you know, I would do that. I'd say something. And I was like, all right, the lights are still on. I'm still sitting here. The world has not stopped turning. I'm still, I'm still breathing. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm still breathing. Everybody's still sitting in their chair. Nobody is like, you know, called security to walk me out. I was like, all right, that wasn't so bad, right? And matter of fact, people took that idea and built on it and continued to go through. And so I think the difference was for myself, what do I really want? Do I want to engage in the world and make a difference, which, which I do? Or do I want to stay in the shadows and not make a difference? Because it's kind of hard to do that when, you, when you're not noticed, right? And don't want to be. So, so what, just rephrase what I, what I heard was there was a time when it was safe. You had a story that it was safe to not put your thoughts out there, right? To not express yourself. And then it became, well, it actually is safe to do that. Is there any story that might you could create about how it would be like, a desire, a, a goal, a craft, a fun, a playful place to put your thought out there. Absolutely. I think that's how I shift. Number one, confidence that I'm enough, but number two, that I could make a difference. I had to decide if I want to make a difference in this world or in the meeting or in the next person. And to do that, you speak up. So not speaking up never gave me that opportunity to ever make a difference and do something for me existentially that I wanted to do. So I shift the, the story from what if I'm wrong to what if it can make a difference, right? I didn't want to go, what if I'm right? Because I wasn't sure that was the right spot. But what if it could make a difference in somebody's life? And that's what helped me to make the difference and make the shift and say, I'm going to give this a try. And then after the first couple of times, right, 
you're like, okay, this is good. And then it gets better and better and better. And then it becomes fun. But it probably wasn't initially. And I had to, to kind of work through that one for the first couple of times. And then it got fun. That's great. Thanks, Michelle. So then there's a space where like, I notice what I notice, right? And then other people are noticing. And then when I begin to look at, well, I wonder what it is they're noticing. How could I tell? How could I notice what it is they're noticing? And like, I kept trying to figure that out. Like, it was, it was, it was a challenge. And it was, to tell you the truth, I, I thought I got it out of a book called uh, On Meditation. And I went back to find it in that book and I couldn't find it. So, what I came up with a practice, and I'm sure I got it from somewhere, I just don't know where. And that is to repeat the words that people are saying in my own head after they're saying them. And I started to do that. And what I was noticing was as I repeated their words back into my head, I could actually make up the same stories that they had in their head. I was actually saying that. Now, in some ways you had to quiet your own inner voice, which I can never do. It's always talking. It's always continuing to, what is it you can say in 120 words a minute and you can think in 400. So your brain can figure out how to squeak extra words in between those other words that they're saying as you say them in your own head, which can sound really congested in my head. But the more experience I had at it, the more practice I had at it, I could begin to notice what they were noticing in the world because I would repeat their stories back. And I began to build the habit of always repeating what people were saying in my own head. And by doing so, I found myself at, at peace. And I found myself being with them. I found openness. I found calm. And I also found like an endless, endless list of questions to ask about what they're noticing. Many of the times when I'm working that, I'm noticing things that they have that they're not even aware that they have. So there's a space where I'm noticing their noticings. I found it to be a, a really useful tool to work with other people because I can, I can actually care about what they notice and I can be calm about it. And this is not, I, I've never figured out, like I, I've never noticed I can manipulate them. I never noticed like I, any kind of trickery or anything like that. I can just notice where they're at. And it opened up a space for me to be authentic with them, to be vulnerable and for them to be vulnerable with me because I was actually listening and caring about what they cared about. So that's, to me, that's the third part. First part, second part, first part me. Second part is other people notice. And the third part is noticing what others are noticing. So what showed up in there for you or questions or? Yeah, so that, that third piece is, I'd say a more recent practice for me since working with Macklin Connection. So it's it's only a few years. I know that sounds really, to some people, that may, that may be not be recent, but for me, it takes a little while to get these practices. And when I do repeat the words back, it does a few things for me in that I'm engaged with the person, right? I'm not answering emails, right? It gives you all sorts of excuses if I don't do that. And it kind of takes away some of those other things and I can be present and with the person. I never really thought of the word being at peace with the person, but being with them, certainly. I, I like the idea of being at peace because it doesn't agitate me and you can ask a lot of questions. There's so much in there that I never realized I missed before. So I think that was one of the big things for me. 
is that I missed a lot of what people were saying and what they weren't saying. And what I mean by that is when you're paying attention and repeating the words, yes, you're repeating the words in your head, but you're also, at least I am watching them. What are they doing? What are they feeling? What might they be feeling? How could I find out what they're feeling? Is there more to the story than they're saying, which you can ask into, right? And all these other things can come up in my mind that I can ask and engage with that person at a level that is deeper than I have in the past. So that's what it brought forth for me. So there's two practices that I hold stories that I hold in my head about doing this. The first one is to surrender to your enough and the power of being heard. So the, the first part, which is surrendering that I'm enough. And most people have a story of surrender is to give up. And what I'm giving up is that I have some story already existing that's going to be more powerful than what I can discover with them. Give up that I'm enough. And whoever I am and whatever I'm doing, whatever comes to me will be the best me. Well, that takes um, that took some practice to continually hold that as you go through because you got all the histories where you say, this is the right answer, this is the wrong answer. Don't do this, do that in that space. But to surrender into being enough in that moment with them in that space. The second thing is when you talk to somebody and they're doing this with you, you really feel heard. Like you're like they, you connect with them because they are hearing what you say. And that's so rare. I, I distinctly remember sitting between two people that were having a conversation and the two of them were having a conversation with each other. And what I noticed was neither one of them were paying any attention whatsoever to the other person. They were talking and then the other guy would talk, and then this guy would talk, and the first guy, the second guy would talk, and the first guy would talk, and they were going, yeah, that's really cool. And then they, and I realized they weren't even talking about the same topic. They were just talking in a world of themselves. There was no, they weren't sharing the same conversation. And then when you stop and you listen, really listen, and notice what it is that they're noticing, the other person feels heard. And what, what, that gives them is a, spec, a chance to produce their own dignity. Like I got hurt. I was hurt by them. And somebody was paying attention to me, maybe at a level that's higher than I was paying attention to myself. Any, what, what, what are your noticings there? Yeah. So you triggered me with that last part. Maybe somebody noticed what I was saying more than I was noticing what I was saying. Right. And it's always, I can laugh at it now. I'm probably not first when I'm talking with somebody and, and they'd say, well, some things, tell me more about that. I was like, what did I just say? It's like, oh crap. I have no idea what more is about that. Right. And to realize that, I don't know, it's like on autopilot or something. Mm -hmm. These are the words you say when this is going on. And it helped me to think through what I actually want to say to notice myself and open up to those questions to say, when somebody would say, what do you mean by that? I can then go back and say to myself, what do I mean by that? And then it turns into an opportunity to work that with the other person, right? Let's, I don't know, what do you think, right? And it starts this whole different conversation at a much different level. And you're right, you know, you feel heard. 
and can engage in a totally different way with that person and you build trust with them, right? Because you know that they're not judgmental, they're just listening and hearing what you say and to work through it. And so when that happened for me, it's like, wow, how powerful is that? Let me do that with others because it helps me and them. And so that's what you sort of triggered for me was that last part was sometimes I don't always pay attention to what I'm saying. And I really appreciate when somebody has listened and can ask questions about something that helps me to think about it differently. I notice sometimes I'm, I'm in a, listening to somebody, really noticing what they're saying, literally repeating it back in their head. And, and it comes across, I don't, I don't think they are paying attention to what they're saying. Like, like it doesn't seem to be in line with what they talk about or what who they are. And I'm always like triggering myself to remember that I'm not designing every word that I say. I'm just being me. We speak into the world. It comes from my background of obviousness. It comes from everything about me, my moods, my stories, all of that. Just create and put it into the world. And many times I don't get to notice what I say. And it's really great to have somebody with you who can say, tell me more about this particular part. And it's a space where I didn't even know it was there. But yet it was there because I said it. It came from something inside of me. It wasn't like I could cre- create and say a story that wasn't me. And the same is true when I'm listening to others. It's a great space of noticing others' noticings. And we also have noticed that there is no such word as noticings, according to the dictionary. So we're, we're looking at maybe trademarking that particular space of the word noticings. Because it's just a grouping of what people notice. Noticings, plural. And when we notice what other people are noticing, we can understand who they are, what they're up to. And it makes a space and an opportunity to connect on a level that's not casual. It's authentic. And I hold it's dignified. Uh, thanks, Ron. As you said in the beginning, I think your mind thinks at like 400 words per minute you talk at, well, it depends on what part of the country you're from, 120 words a minute or less or more. And I sometimes think my mind gets ahead of my mouth, right? And it's like three sentences ahead. And it really is helpful to have somebody to kind of say, what did you mean by that word? And that's the one that triggers me the most. I'll say something I'm like, did I say that? Like, it's a huge shock to me that I used a particular word. It's like, I don't remember that because my mind was already right well past that. And it does stop me to think, it's like, why did I choose that word? What's going on that made me choose that at the time and reflect? And it's really, really helpful. So I appreciate the practice. So let's, let's speculate which goes faster where we repeat the words back into our head, right? And in our, so we, we begin to understand the person and when we notice something that's incongruent, we like, we ask into it. Like, what does that mean? How do you hold that? What are you working with that? So now we're, we're in a way we're saying what before they would say something and we, we move on. But now where they say something and then we ask questions into it and then they answer questions and there may be new questions and then we answer those questions again and we come into a common understanding, which one of those is faster? Well, certainly asking the questions. One of the things that you maybe think about is when I repeat what the other person does, it slows me down. 
And, and what I mean by that, if I don't do that, I am off creating stories of every word that person is saying, which who knows if that's even partially aligned to what the person is doing. It goes off on my background and all sorts of things, but repeating it slows me down to notice, to be able to ask the questions. And the end result, at least in my practice, it's much faster to get to understanding when you use the repeating somebody and asking in. Otherwise, you're just usually correcting stories. At least that's what I found, right? Because I made something up and then there's a total misunderstanding. And then you have to work through what was the misunderstanding and then correct all that and then move forward. Yeah, the two, the differences for me show up. I agree with you 100% that that slowing down the conversation in listening, repeating the words in your head, asking questions, getting back into that is much quicker to create a shared story and a common understanding. And it also builds trust. And the alternative is somebody says something, you think you understand something, you go off and do something, you come back and they go, no, that's not what I said. And then that you go, like the person who went off and did the action comes back and says, well, they changed their mind, right? And, and now they're blaming me. And the first person going, the person I gave the task to is incompetent. And then the next time they come together, there's Mr. Incompetent and Mr. Changes Mind is who's going to have the conversation of which they're not going to trust each other from the very beginning. And then from there, it's just going to get worse. So it's not only faster, it is dignified to have a common understanding, a shared story about what you want, what you care about, what you're after. What does the end look like in that space? And question I have for myself is if we had the whole world doing this, what would be different? Yeah. An amazing word that, that listens. So let me ask you a question on that. Totally accept, right? Working this way can have, can produce a common understanding, but it may not produce a common agreement. Have you had that or how does that work? You know, somebody could say, yeah, I understand totally what you're saying. I understand the story. Maybe I don't agree with the story. And is that okay? Or is it just still more work that you need to do? I'm just curious if you've ever worked into that. Yes, I have. And the fundamental is there are more than, there's always more than one way to do anything, one philosophy that works. That you understand each other and the differences in you uh, between your two philosophies enables even two different philosophies to coexist without being an enemy or a combatant in the conversation. When you hold that the other person has a story, that's his philosophy, and that would work. I, I prefer the one I have, be, and I have my story, and they have their story, but I understand their story. It's not like they're the enemy. And it's much easier to hold that somebody is working their story, producing their life as best they can, when you don't hold that they're out to get you. And they're just using their own story. That's what I find is useful, both in business and in all the other transactions I've made in life that are not like business related, is is to be in that space to hold that that's just that's just their strategy. Did, Michelle, did I answer the question? Yeah, you did. So I, I've been thinking about it, and the word that comes to mind for me is it helps me to avoid judgment, right? Because judgment is sort of this like story that I've made up about somebody. I totally understand where they're coming from. As you said, I may not agree. I may decide a different way is better and works for me, but there's no judgment in it. 
because I just, I accept the way that they're thinking. It's, I see it prevalent in, I, I look at the, the three generations that I'm most familiar with. One, my parents, second, mine, third, my kids. And the lifestyle that my parents chose and the lifestyles that my kids are choosing, they're not even in the same ballpark. Experiences, my kids, experiences, being places, doing things, all of that. My parents, having, having house, having cars, having spaces, right? Having a world of things taken care of for them, right? Completely different experiences. Like what is a good life? And when you're open, when I hold, I can stay open to, it's all your interpretation about what is a good life. Then I can, I can be with both of those. If I'm not open to it, like you said, I can be very judgmental and tell all the things that are wrong with both of them. And then I'll see them as the person who's wrong. And that's who shows up to the conversation. Yeah, thanks, Ron. That's a great example. That's one thing I noticed even as I was hiring, like recruits, you know, college recruits and, and work, they valued something different, right? Their story, that experience piece was really important for them. They didn't need cars, they needed it. So how did I provide that from a work experience to attract them? Right. And and we made some shifts because it wasn't about the big beautiful office with the leather chair. Right. It was about flexibility to work from wherever they wanted to at the moment. So we had these little work areas that you could work in New York, you could work in Philadelphia, right? You can shift around depending on what worked for them. And that was what was required. And I love the openness because it shifted me. And what I have found, I need a hell of a lot less stuff. And I enjoy experiences a whole lot more. And if I didn't engage and was open and listen, I don't think I would have seen that. I, I noticed like my dad in a world of, well, the sooner you start buying the house, the sooner you can get it paid off and the sooner you're, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to worry about that anymore. And, and then he comes back and tells me that because he, uh, he worked until he's in his 70s, uh, for an engineering corporation where he got his last job was one of his funnest jobs, which was mentoring all the new people coming into the business. Right. So he was basically dealing with people fresh out of school. He's going like, they don't want a house. They don't want a mortgage. They don't want any of those. They, they don't want to be tied down or any of that stuff. They'll pay rent. They love that. I was going like, yeah, different space, completely different story. And to be able to accept that and notice it, very powerful. But you have to notice it first. Otherwise, you'll be looking at them as, why aren't they buying a house yet? Yeah, what I know is with that, it, it's almost anything. And my dad was an engineer too, right? And he had a garage full of tools just in case you needed one every six years for 10 minutes, right? He would have it. Great guy to live next to. And then what I learned from people is like, you know, you can borrow that stuff. You can rent it. Why the hell do I need to have the space for that? And it made me really think differently, even as something as simple as that, never mind the house and the cards, it, it applies to a lot of things. And I, I see so many things shifting and it helped to shift me and I'm appreciative of that. So it's all part of noticing, right? It is. And it also brings new opportunities for businesses. Yes, it does. They notice. Yep. If, when we're noticing. Got it. Yep. Well, thank you, Michelle, for the, for the conversation on noticings. Ah, thank you, Ron. And I hope those listening maybe have noticed a few new things or will notice a few new things. And we'd love to hear.
Yes, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us, Ron at MacklinConnection.com or Michelle at MacklinConnection.com. What do you notice from this episode? What do you notice about other people? Have you practiced or tried repeating what other people say in your own head to understand what they're noticing? Let us know. Thank you. Thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Not only does it help the show, but we'd love to hear from you. If you have a minute, share your feedback. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time.